0: Am I ever gonna get to um, welcome people to music video land?
1: out there in music video land my name is Adam Fairholm, and welcome to episode 38 of the music video land podcast by Um and as ordered by a holographic image of Tupac Shakur is uh, Doug, Doug Klinger and from Florida how you doing Doug? Super good Adam how are you? I'm great I'm great it's uh summer has come to the United States Doug. Yeah it's been here in Florida
0: for the last several months
1: I know, but it's just uh, in Cal in uh, uh, North Carolina. It's just coming here. It's very, very hot. I hear it's very hot around the rest of the United States, and I'm I'm excited because I mean summer is here. Excited and, for the heat. Yeah, and excited for uh, summer music videos, which are always always fun. Um, yeah, is there, are there other music video seasons?
0: I, I there's definitely like a, a summer music video thing, and and the summer summer single. Some somebody's gonna. make make them tuck their
1: whole summers in. So on the podcast this week, we are excited to welcome Mr. A.G. Rojas, who is a director as well as an editor of music videos. And if you have uh, checked out the Jack White video for 16 Saltines in the past few weeks, which has gotten a lot of press and a lot of people are talking about it, then you've seen one of his works uh, because he directed that one. Uh, which is a, uh, it's the second single off of the uh, new Jack White album, Blunderbuss, the, his solo album. One, one thing to note about this single, I've heard it
0: described as a really rockin' song. Uh, I think you describe it as that. Is that true, Adam?
1: I would describe it as a rockin' song. If you heard his first single off of it, Love Interruption, uh, which was a pick of, the week, pick of the week of mine a few weeks ago, uh, it's a much uh, quieter. A more laid-back song, and the album actually doesn't come out until April 24th, but uh, this is the second single off that, and it is a really fantastic video. Uh, AG has a lot of really interesting s- stuff, um, really um Things you just have to see to kind of to kind of get there. Kind of things that don't uh, work well when describing them, such as the Odd Future video for Earl, which you might have seen, shot before Odd Future was Odd Future, as well as a really uh, long-form uh, narrative video by uh, for a song called "Hey Jane" by a band called Spiritualized that features a um, black transvestite and is a really uh, very cinematic, really beautiful video and also features a very long one shot, uh, which is uh, you sometimes see in films and people make a big deal about out of it when it appears in films, but it's really cool to see that in a music video as well. So uh, it was really fun talking to A.G. and that's uh, going to come up in the second ha- half of the podcast.
0: And one thing to note about the, the Hey Jane music video is unlike when uh You know, people will try this really long form music video um, from time to time. And, you know, some people do it with success, um, like the Robbie Starbuck video for Smashing Pumpkins. And then other people do it with not so much success, like Lady Gaga, um, when she made that long, ridiculous video last year that she directed herself. This music video, however, really, really earns its length. I think, and uh, it's definitely worth checking out. You know what I mean? people might be hesitant to watch kind of a long form music video like that, but I-, I say, certainly watch this video, especially if you're gonna listen to the interview. which would be weird if you like listen to just the first part of our show and not the interview portion, but hey,
1: it's what you like. Well, who are we to judge? And I completely agree with that because I think a lot of times uh, long form music videos can be a little self-indulgent, uh, especially with the lady uh, gaga video. And what was that? What was that? For that song for, hold on. It was for the
0: song that's like, uh meh, 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 meh the meh, night, Merry the yeah. night, yeah.
1: That was good. That was good. Uh, and it's, uh, I think that the way, the reason this video is successful is that it has uh, a narrative arc, which sometimes people, when they're making narrative videos, they forget to have some sort of narrative arc, uh, which is important. But um, we're going to talk... It's a fine
0: about- point, and, and, and not to just keep getting down this road, but... Uh, also, really great casting in the video, really believable casting, and um, which is something that we get into a little bit in the
1: conversation as well. But that conversation doesn't happen for a good fifteen minutes from now, wouldn't you say, Adam? I would. So if you hate us, then skip ahead to that point. But for right now, we're gonna talk about something that has the music, and the reason we're gonna talk about it because it has a visual element to it. Is uh, has everybody talking, and that is Tupac's uh, appearance at the last music video at the Coachella. A final night of Coachella last Sunday. And there's been a lot said about this. Um, There seems to be a new article coming out every uh, minute or so from a different organization all along the lines of how did they do this? Uh, Why did they do it? What is... um, Is this going to signal a new kind of future for music video, for for music touring? And if you missed it, uh, the link is in the show notes for it. But uh, basically what happened was during a set, of the last night of Coachella, a uh, we won't call it a, hol- call it a hologram, but an image of Tupac that appeared to be real, floated you know up from the up onto the stage, or kind of appeared on the stage, and then he rapped uh, for two songs uh, for and along with Snoop Dogg for one of them as well, who appeared on stage right next to him. He played a Hail Mary, and then um, what's the second time? What's the second song? Two American Gangsters.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, two of America's most wanted. I think two is of America's what it is. most wanted, right? right. Yeah, I, I I I didn't. I actually didn't watch the whole performance. I just kind of watched the beginning and the um.
1: And oh, it's like only kind two of, songs. You didn't watch the whole performance. It's two no, songs. It takes like ten I minutes.
0: Didn't. I didn't watch the whole thing. I didn't. I'm <coughs> lame. I'm so, too. I'm too much of a hamster. Uh, now we should true. have. We
1: should well, mention that we do have some. Uh, so basically, what happened was. Well, let
0: me just say. Let me just say quickly, and I I have the video and we'll link it to the show notes that this isn't the first time that in a concert this technology has been used. And I and I was talking to people about this before, and I kept saying, some country singer. Well, I found out who it was. Uh, uh, Brad Paisley, in his last tour, um, had a hologram of Carrie Underwood that came out on the stage and sang a duet with him. And so a similar technology has been used. Now, Carrie Underwood is alive. So, uh, <laughs> as far as it's we not- know. Yeah, so it's not right. She could have been a hologram this whole time, but uh, as far as we know, she's alive, and so it's not quite as um, interesting because she's alive, and we know that they could just film her and have her be a hologram of herself. But but the technology of uh, so you know if this moment is is this moment is probably more of something that's on the on the line of things that could change. Live performances because I've t- I talked to someone I haven't talked to anyone at Coachella but I I talked to someone who went to the Brad Paisley concert and they didn't know that it was a hologram. Mm. They're like I can't believe Carrie Underwood was there and then somebody else was in the room somebody else was in the room who had also been at that concert and said oh no that was a hologram and then showed like all these links and stuff so it's something they've been doing however I think we have a scoop on how they were able to make a a dead person. M- happen that's so right we, uh we, we should
1: say, scoop. we should say that um you know people when this came out people were kind of amazed at the technology and a few people pointed out this is actually a very old technique that's been used they used it at the 48th grammys to have madonna appear alongside gorillas who are fictional you know cartoon characters and which was which was done with to great effect and it's an old uh t- filming technique called pepper's ghost which, if you've ever seen, um, if you've ever gone to like the haunted mansion at Disney World or Disneyland, they use the same effect to make the ghost. It's basically one of those old, old timey effects with a with a mirror, um, and in this case, it was a Mylar sheet that was dropped. I think they the um, company behind this that Dr. Dre hired, Digital Domain, uh, uh, made this Mylar sheet that dropped down. I think in, in like thirty seconds or something like that for a setup, and then it was projected under the stage onto this. Um, But everybody was kind of wondering, you know, how... Because as other people have mentioned, Tupac is obviously dead since 1996. Coachella started in 1999, or 1990... uh, 1999, and uh, at the beginning of of the set, uh, uh, Tupac says, what's up, Coachella? Which, obviously, he's never said that before. So uh, Dr. Dre has apparently requested... He's not giving any interviews about this right now. Uh, He's requested that uh, the people behind a digital domain... Uh, remain very tight-lipped about this. Um, but uh, but yeah, we had the first person we had on the the, sh- the show. Uh, we had three people: um, Pedro Flores, uh, Mike Mike Dalquist, and Josh Haraway, who was in a video called "I Am On I Am On Crack" by the Left Rights, as an actor. And he wasn't appearing as Tupac in that video, but he is a Tupac impersonator. And there are many and, of them. What's that?
0: But he. Well, I was gonna say? There are many of them, but he, he claims to be the first, and I can't I, I wouldn't dispute him on it, and also um, in other Mike Diva videos, which you could find on the site, I, I believe in the um, the video for uh, uh, three hundred three, uh, I think it's called Robots that Mike Mike Diva directed, mm-hmm. features Josh Hareway as Tupac, so. Right. So we, there.
1: he has done a lot of work as Tupac. And it was just f- funny that we were, you know, we we're both Facebook friends with him. And a picture of him and Dr. Dre appeared on his Facebook wall and as his actual profile the on, on Monday morning. So, of. Uh, v- Obviously, since Dr. Dre produced this whole thing, um, he's, his name is directly attached with it, and Josh is a Tupac impersonator. There is a little bit of a connection there. We couldn't get anything out of out of Josh or, or, or anybody else because, as I previously mentioned, it's been I think it's been a, a moratorium has been put on how this has been done, which is actually kind of smart because it, it adds a little bit of a, an air of mystery to it. Although uh, Digital Domain, uh, their party line on how they created it was they said it was. Um, you know created by looking at archival footage and photos as reference but um, in the short production time they had to do this you know I'm not an expert on this but they only had a few months to do this I would think they would need some sort of body who you know resembled in some way Tupac's for some sort of reference um, that knew his movements and had studied him as a performer in some capacity and that, that seems like it was it was definitely Josh Haraway as far as we can tell
0: our 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 guests we're going to add to the speculation of this video and the world's going to go nuts because we're
1: tr- we're putting name we're pu- we're naming names that's right nobody's safe we're naming names dr dre digital <laughs> domain josh <laughs> Josh Haraway, and if you are not friends with him on Facebook, I think you can just still see his picture. It's just him with Dr. Dre, and he said it that. Uh, but it's funny that every he's you know, got he a fan
0: he's got a fan page. Oh yeah, All yeah. Right, Josh Herway, uh world's first Tupac impersonator. So I mean, he 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 even to the point where I'm pretty sure he goes down to um to the Chinese theater in Hollywood as Tupac. Oh yeah, and, t- and takes pictures with people. I think I've seen seen pictures of him down there as Tupac. So.
1: Um, it's funny though because people have been putting pictures on his wall There's this great one of the um, scene in Star Wars where R2D2 projects a hologram and instead of It being Princess Leia it's it's uh, Tupac so It's fun I wonder if that will become a, Some sort of meme but anyway uh, so I'm that, pretty the-
0: sure that uh, the, the Tupac The Tupac is going to be Is like a meme for the For being able to come back to life I saw like a Yo uh, Drake That said YOLO and then Tupac it's face and then drake's sad face so So
1: uh why was drake sad because
0: tupac lived twice
1: Mm -hmm. now um oh i get it now wow so i guess one of the conversations people have been having which is interesting is if this is going to have some sort of impact on live touring because if you have not um uh, kept up with the music industry lately i'm Selling albums is not really a lucrative thing. There's actually a a, um, Planet Money uh, show that they did about this, which is absolutely fascinating, about Katy Perry. Um, Looking at her year, I think they chose 2010, which is a huge year for Katy Perry. And they went through and talked to the people at um, her record label and sort of tallied up how much they made off Katy Perry in a year where she was a huge pop star. And it was somewhere in the neighborhood of $10 which is absolute chicken scratch um the real money is in uh touring which is a huge business and that's why you know the summer to- tour season is huge um and you know i think the most expensive and the most profitable a tour of the recent memories two's 360 tour which I, I was lucky enough to attend in tampa which was just a huge massive production and i think that um You you know, as a lot of people pointed out, record executives may look at something like this or people who are are tour managers may look at something like this and say, if an artist is dead, then um, how much would people pay to go to a hologram Elvis concert or go to a hologram Beatles concert Um, or or see an artist, live artist perform with a hologram artist? I mean, it's really interesting and I think you know, I think
0: I think that's I think that's the one that's that's gonna be your kicker is uh, I think because I mean Brad Paisley, who's a pretty big country star, and Carrie Underwood, who's a huge pop and country star uh are using this hologram technology, but after seeing with Tupac people are reacting like they've never seen it before ever so um I think you it know, was a shock I, I of think, seeing that. Anything? Yeah. I, but I think what what really makes it work so well is yeah, everyone's seen the ghosts at in the haunted mansion at Disney or whatever, but to be able to see a Tupac performing alongside of Snoop Dogg, the real Snoop Dogg, just something about the dynamic that that they were able to create, which which is which is one of the things that convinces me that it was a impersonator with with Snoop Dogg it may not have necessarily been Josh it could have been somebody else it could have been it could have been someone who looks nothing like Tupac and they just used his motions and they they just put it over it the same way they do in like sports video games but uh, um, but there had to have been a person there and they had to have recreated the concert, not just with the person, but with Snoop Dogg. And that dynamic, that back and forth, I mean, maybe seeing a whole bunch of electronic Beatles wouldn't be great. But if Ringo and Paul McCartney and and a and a George and a and a John hologram toured as like a as the Beatles, and there were two live Beatles there and two holograms or something, I mean that would be that would be crazy. Uh So it could change things it could change things a lot from that perspective
1: and apparently you know when the hologram came up people just because nobody knew about this they people just went dead silent i mean it was just kind of a shock and i think it's a shock of because tupac you know was killed so young he was only 25 and it was so long ago and he's still such a a mythical or you know infamous figure within the hip-hop well within music period um you know, I, I could I could see, you know, imagine uh, our parents or whatever going to uh, uh, see Paul McCartney in concert and uh, John Lennon hologram kind of pops up. So if you're a Beatles fan, then that's the kind of feeling I think when uh, people were overcome with. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I've, I've, uh, the latest articles have been about um, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and kind of a whole gaggle of rappers taking this show on the road and having um, Tupac appear and having that be kind of a draw. So we'll see how this pans out. And, um, I think it'll work. I think it'll definitely
0: work. I, I wouldn't be surprised too. just as a final note. I mean, this is Coachella. I mean, people are fucked up <laughs> and uh, they probably like really thought. That Tupac was there. That like Tupac decided after 15 years to be like, all right, Coachella 2012. Can you believe? That's the time I'm gonna come back, and 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 people people probably. I mean, when
1: you're an audience, you do not have any sort of line of information, and you're right. From the back, how can you possibly tell that that was a hologram? You You can't. you, You you. I mean, if you were on something, which I'm sure a lot of the audience was. You thought too. Alcohol. You thought, yeah. You a, a beer or two. You thought Tupac came back. I, I bet <laughs> Tupac anything.
0: was alive. Could you imagine being in that audience? And now Coachella is also kind of Sunday at Coachella, especially with last year's Kanye West show, which was kind of really kind of a spectacle, and people were going big, uh, going nuts about it the next, the, ne- the following weeks. And now this with the Tupac coming back, like Sunday night hip hop the hip-hop headliner on Sunday night at Coachella like there's a bar now for them to kind of
1: try to beat i don't know if you could beat Tupac coming back so there you have it Coachella Tupac and now we're gonna uh, get into our interview i was really excited that uh, AG wanted to talk to us because somebody um like i say who but somebody associated with films insert got ag's name wrong on the site and actually that's how we got in contact with us so that's pretty much what we do for all artists we just intentionally spell their names wrong and then they correct us and then we say hey would you like to be on the podcast um which is why if you're looking for um michael gondry you need to search for um uh, barry gondry b-a-r-r-y so that's how we uh, got in touch with um, with AG and a really huge fan of his Jack White music video. Definitely check that out before the podcast. Um, as well as it's the 16 Saltines, as well as Earl by Odd, Odd Future and hey, Jean, hey Jane by Spiritualized. Those are the three ones we we really get into. Um, so here we go. Our interview with director AG Ross. <laughs>
2: Uh, my name is A.G. Rojas. I'm a music video director based in L.A. And uh, I guess I make narrative music videos for cool artists. And that's it.
1: And uh, I mean, how long have you been, have you, have you been at this? W- where did you start?
2: Um, I dropped out of Art Center in Pasadena when I was 19. Uh, I was doing film production there. And right after I dropped out, I just started directing music videos with my friend Christopher Black. Um, so we've been doing music videos together since, uh, like, you know, I've been doing it for like five or six years, but, uh, but only like making good videos for like the past two years maybe.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, uh, what was, what was, what changed? What, what changed from uh, the previous um, work to good videos?
2: Well basically I was, I was really like deep into the like hardcore punk scene in LA. And so that's kind of how I first started doing music videos was for like hardcore bands and doing performance videos and also. Shooting a lot of live shows um, at different venues and backyard shows and all that type of stuff, and then uh, basically, no one like really gave a shit about what I was doing, like the work that I was doing, and never got like any sort of recognition so I just started like I started being very selective as far as the artists that I work with. Um, and at a certain point, I was just like, I'm going to make a video for like, my favorite artist. I did that, and then that was the first video. That was for Jeremy Enoch, who was in a band called Sunny Day Real Estate, which I loved like in high school. Um, so I did that video, and then I guess people, people like that. Um, and that was just a fully narrative video. So since then, I've just been doing videos like that. So. And,
1: you know... You know, speaking of people taking you know notice of your work in the past few weeks, you've received a lot of attention for the Jack White, uh, sixteen saltines video. Um, yeah. So we wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah. How how did you how did you pitch this video to Jack White? Um,
2: well, I was in Atlanta at the time doing a video for this band called Spiritualized. So we were prepping the video, and I I get a call um, from Saul Levitt, the commissioner at Sony. Um, so they were, he was soliciting treatments for this, for, uh, the single, cause I guess they were getting a lot of ideas, but nothing was really working out. Nothing was catching, uh, Jack's eye. So I sat down after I got the track and just wrote it out in a couple hours. Um, and I just wanted to make something that was just all, like, basically just a visual assault of all these different moments, like surreal moments in youth around Nashville. Um, and then they just, they liked it. And we went for it, and so like a week later, I was in. We went straight from Atlanta to Nashville and prepped it in a week, and then shot. And that was it.
1: Yeah. And as you know, as far as the concept goes, I mean, people are, you know, there's a few things you're talking about, there's a, you know a lot of violence. There's a lot of really you know visceral, you know, interesting imagery. Um, yeah. And, you know, one of the things I think besides the, you know, the the violence and these really, you know, interesting things is the people that you guys found. Where did you find these kids?
2: Well, we had, um, I flew out uh, one of my production assistants, uh, Carmela from L.A. Um, And so she went out and did a lot of street casting, like just hit the streets, went to skate parks and coffee shops and schools um, it just kind of creeped around, like just lurked, lurked for some kids and took some pictures. And then so like, I'd say maybe like 75% of the kids are street cast and the other 25 came from traditional um, casting. Yeah, it all worked out. It was pretty, I mean, it took a while. There's, there's, you know, I think we counted like maybe there was like 40 rolls or something that we had to fill um, in a week. So it was all, you know, a lot of stuff came down to the last minute, but we made it happen. So, yeah.
1: I mean so in for each one of these sort of vignettes, did you have it completely scripted out so you were looking for the guy who gets, you know, blue milkshake spit in his face and things like that? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean it was all it was all written out in the treatment. Um but the way I like to work, like we I came up with all the ideas and everything, but once you're on set, different things happen, you know, and things change and you work with like the spontaneity of certain things, like for example the the fat kid who's like running around the warehouse breaking shit, that was all on the moment you know like we had some free time and one of, that was one of the kids in the jerking scene so I just kind of I really liked the way he looked so we took him aside and had him break stuff
1: and that was that nice. he so, must yeah. have enjoyed that direction just go ahead and just break shit yeah he was stoked I
2: mean he, I would tell him to to like swing the bat and break stuff and you know a lot of times he was a little tentative because he didn't know if he was going to get in trouble or something You know, <laughs> <laughs> but he ended up working out
0: and oh. another element that's in this video that um that we notice is that you you mix sources within these scenes. I wonder if you could talk a little bit where that where that idea comes from.
2: Um I've always liked having different formats in videos. I just I think like resolution and all that is to me the least interesting part about, you know, shooting digitally. Um so I just like mixing different things like Mike, my DP and I we always we always have like a GoPro on set um on different jobs and stuff and see if to see if that stuff works. So one of my friends out there who's my editor in Nashville, he had a VHS camera and uh, just on a whim, we we took it from him and kind of ran around and shooting stuff. And it was funny because like the batteries on that camera didn't work. So we were always like tethered basically to a car from an extension cord. So everything had to be sh- shot, you know, 15 feet away from a car. from a. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I didn't know that like if that stuff was really going to like be in the video because I hadn't pitched it. But everyone loved it and kept asking for more from the label and Jack's people and stuff. So you know. So and when
0: and so when you do stuff like that, you kind of it seems like you kind of stay true to like kind of where it comes from. So if it like you know you don't just kind of use use a older camera but have the same kind of setup. You know you're getting in there with GoPros and you're doing kind of stuff that's kind of built that the camera shots that the camera is built to do, not just. For the for the look of the graininess, but also for the what the camera is able to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the reason why we do that stuff it also adds a certain energy just to the edit and to different things, and always keeps people like interested. I guess in videos, never know what's gonna happen, you know. And it also like it also helps when, um, because you know when you have the Alexa and all these like sixty people in the crew, it's kind of nice when you can just go into a room with a little GoPro or a VHS camera, and it's just you and the actor and. Just get different moments like that.
1: Now, Jack White is a guy who, um, you know, come look, you know, as someone who's watched a lot of his previous videos and yeah. is a fan of him, doesn't shy away from, you know, the camera. And he's only here, you know, in the video, you know, very briefly. Was that something he was interested in, kind of having a video where he was, you know, out of the spotlight because his, you know, his uh, previous video off the Blenderbus album was really, a, really him front and center. Yeah. yeah,
2: I mean, I think I, I'm a, This is. An assumption, but I think that's one of the reasons why they gravitated towards the treatment was because of, uh, you know, because he's only really at the very beginning and at the end. Um, and it's pretty different, like you said, from all his other videos. Even all the other, like from White Stripes and and Tours and Dead Weather, he's in front of the camera for 99% of those videos. Um, he's never really done a video like this where it's mostly narrative, mostly like conceptual. So I think that's one of the reasons why they went with it.
1: And, and what's it like, uh, I mean, the, the, one of the fun things about this video is people all over the internet have been speculating. I mean, I've read a bunch of ridiculous things or, or maybe not ridiculous, but a lot of varied things. One person, like very matter of factly said that this was like about uh, hazing rituals at Dartmouth. Um, yeah. What do you, I mean, what's it like kind of to have people, you know, break down your work and look for that symbolism?
2: Um, I think someone else called it like kitty porn too, which was funny, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not used to people really delving deeply. And I, I think a lot of people actually don't. I mean, they just kind of either say, I'm like ripping off gummo, or just call it, or just say that they're confused, you know? So anytime that someone wants to make some sort of effort to think about it after they watch a music video, I think that's a positive thing, even though it might be like negative towards uh, the video. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it's cool whenever anyone tries to. Tries to think about it, but I haven't. I mean, people have asked me like to break down specific vignettes, but I mean, the whole concept of the video is that you have some sort of really basic understanding of each scene. But by the time that you, by the time you get what's going on, you're on to the next scene. So I mean, that's kind of part of the charm of the video, I think.
0: Yeah, and I I think one of the things that kind of stands out to people about this video is it's kind of features like obviously anyone who hasn't seen it, it, it's features uh children in a lot of kind of violent and over the top and uh kind of situations and yeah. uh use of use of children is not something that's new to you 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 that that theme appears a lot in your video in your videos and not only the yeah. use of children but the use of children kind of uh overcoming or succeeding in kind of like these adult difficult situations um uh I wonder if you can kind of just tell us kind of where that theme comes from
2: I think it all just Stems down to my love of Home Alone, basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I I, mean, I, I did grow up on all those movies, like the same way that you guys did, you know, where you, where it's all these fantasies about, about childhood and stuff. And it's like you watch the Goonies and you find something relatable into the, in, in it because of how the characters are and who they are. But your life was nothing like that, you know, when you're growing up. So I kind of, I just create these worlds and these characters that I think would have been like really fun to grow up with. It's always some sort of like Peter Pan thing, you know. know.
0: Yeah, it's so. it is something about like kids, how they like you just like assume that they want to be having having fun as soon as you see them and not kind of doing doing these adult things. But but I wonder that because that's probably true in most cases. And these are these are actors, but they're also kids. Are they?
2: Well, they're uh, not, I mean, and the other thing is like they're not really actors, you know. Like none of these kids are like. I mean, these are a lot of them are street cast, you know. So you get that really natural like performance from them. So it's not, I mean, as over the top as some of the elements of the video are, the kids, I think, always feel kind of real, you know, not out of place.
0: So street cast in, in, in kind of all the, I mean, because you, you know, use kids in a lot of your, your videos. That's that's something that you do regularly is is yeah, to street I'll, cast? I mean,
2: yeah, all my videos are all street cast. Most of the, I mean, every, most of the characters, you know, not even just the kids, everyone really.
1: Now, you know, on your website, one of the things that uh, caught my eye was you have the place where it was shot, you know, really front and center, um, yeah. like the Hey Jane video shot in, in Atlanta, you know, what, what and the the 16 Saltines video shot in um, Nashville, you know, a lot of times these videos will just come and you don't really have a sense of the, the place, you know, how important is that as yeah. a place in your videos? Um,
2: I it's It mostly just comes out of like whenever I get an idea to pitch on a video that has any sort of budget, i always try to pitch somewhere that I've never been to before, just because I think that's one of the really uh, fun parts of my job is that I can kind of say that and people will fly me out and I can meet new people and see new places and stuff. So that does play a big part um, in, in the videos that I do. And then, for example, like Atlanta, when we shot Spiritualize, like i would never been to Atlanta before and we didn't have like a location Manager there or anything like it was basically me and my production manager Corbett like we just drove around Atlanta for you know a week and met new people and stopped knock knocked door knocked on doors and just Found all these real people and cast a bunch of them and stuff So, I mean, that's just something that will that just adds to basically my my life experience <laughs> I don't know. You should yeah. write
1: more videos in tropical locations
2: okay. <laughs> Right, yeah I should. Uh, I
1: mean, I try, I try, but you know,
2: sometimes people <laughs> don't really want, sometimes people don't really want to go to Vietnam, you know, I don't know.
1: Exactly. Have you tried to, have you tried to go to an exotic place like that? Like Vietnam to, for that, for that yeah, place? Sure. I,
2: I, yeah. I pitched, I pitched Vietnam for, who was it? Um, Kasabian, like one of their big videos, like I pitched Vietnam and Russia and all these different countries and stuff, you know, but I think they got freaked out.
1: <laughs> and I want I definitely want to talk about the, Hey, the spiritualized Hey Jane video. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it seems like this you know, maybe started as a short film treatment first before it was a music video. Is that the way it started?
2: Um, no, it started out as a music video treatment. It was, for some reason, I mean, with certain tracks. Like, I knew I was one of the few people. I'm not sure how many people I had right on that. Um, and uh, so I listened to the track, and it was one of those tracks where you, you the, an image just pops in your head right away, which is incredibly rare. Um, and that was an image of a transvestite in Atlanta just walking around. And so like, I just I wrote the treatment, and then I had one conference call with uh, Jason, the vocalist of Spiritualized, and he he basically just said approach it like a short film, like a, like if I had written this track for your idea. So that's what we did. And right now we're working on a longer edit of it because we shot dialogue for every single one of those scenes, so it's going to be a longer edit with with more dialogue and stuff in the video. Oh wow! Yeah.
0: And so you know, a lot of times a music video. In in most cases, a music video's intention is to promote the artist in one way or another. Do you, does this you think this music video still is able to do that? However, uh, maybe heavy or or you know kind of taboo the topic maybe.
2: Yeah, I mean, and for something like that, there's always going to be a certain level of controversy attached to the video, which also which always like you know helps, but. A band like Spiritualized, I mean, I do videos. I mean, a band like Spiritualize and and people like Gil Scott-Heron and some of the other artists artists that I've done videos for, like they don't need that much help when it comes to selling albums. Like they have their their cult following that that they've amassed for decades, and so they're at a point in their career. And same with Jack White, where they can take risks with videos, um, and I think that's why they come to me because they know that they're probably not they're probably going to get something that's a little more, like, interesting and narrative and cinematic. So,
1: yeah. And, you know, the you have this sort of, you know, amazing Russian arc-esque, uh, you know, one-shot um, yeah. sh- all shot in the in the Hey Jane uh, uh, video. Um, I wonder if you could talk about that, because it's not just, you know, the, the, the logistics of having a, a one-shot, but, the, mm-hmm. you know, the violence of, you know, the, the, the fight scene. Um, and it seems, you know very you know real how did you guys set that up
2: that whole shot was influenced just because there's there's a natural break in the song like three and a half minutes in so i wanted i wanted to separate the song in a certain way so one shot fight scene just that was the first thing that came to my mind um so basically we have we had a stunt coordinator in atlanta and we spent a whole day at this little motel just practicing everything with the actors and then we had we only had like three or four hours the following day to shoot the the whole thing, so we got kind of lucky. We did probably like 15 takes of the whole of the whole scene, um, and then just swagged it out. And it worked.
1: And is it? I mean, <sighs> is it more nerve-wracking to do you know one of these shots, and then uh, break it up into many, or is it or is it you know a little ah. better once you know you know it's only one shot, and once I've got it you know it's done. With.
2: It's done. Yeah, I mean that's one of the positive elements about it is that you can. Tell on set whether or not it worked, um, mm-hmm. and I went into it like, you know, a lot of people had told me, make sure that either way you cover it in a way that you can have cuts and all this sort of stuff. But I wanted to be like super. Um, I wanted to just commit to the idea of this one take shot. So it was kind of a risk, but um, me and I mean, me and Mike were at each other's throats like <laughs> a lot of the time, you know, just because there'd be just little things that would that would that would screw it up, you know, and you'd have to start over, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. And my friend Corbett, too, he also, like, we put a GoPro in the room, so there's going to be a behind-the-scenes video that's going to come out pretty soon um, so you, where people can see exactly how it was done. So.
1: Where did you find the – because, you know, the whole thing kind of hinges on, on him. Was he locally casted?
2: Yeah, he was. He had just moved uh, from Florida a few months before. Um, and for that, for, for finding a transvestite, we had to resort to – traditional casting so um he was one of the many people that we saw and whenever i do video i try to find characters who share some sort of um who have some sort of relation to the character that i'd written and he had a kid like that was his kid in the video and there were just certain things about his life and um about his just story that resonated with the character that i had written um and so you know it's too good to pass up so we hired him
1: and he is they're... and he I mean he he is a transvestite in real life. Yeah, he is. And and how much into that world did you need to get to make make the video real?
2: I didn't have to get too much <laughs> too much into that world. I mean, I I obviously like researched it and try and try to find people who were um in that world around Atlanta and stuff, but um I wanted to approach it in a way where I wasn't I mean I think transvestites and transsexuals are portrayed in the media as being like really flamboyant. Either really flamboyant or just really like not centered people. Mm-hmm. Um and I just wanted to create a character who even if you weren't uh in that scene that you could relate to them in a certain way and that you didn't see them as a as a caricature cuz then I think the ending and some of the moments with the family and stuff wouldn't have really worked, you know. Mm-hmm. So that that. That's why you know the styling and a lot of things about the video. It's not like a David LaChapelle video. You know, it's right. just it's just more real. I think,
0: yeah. Um, and and uh, another one you read is it's kind of as as far as it being real is kind of on the opposite end, and that's uh, the video for Earl, which is yeah. a, a Wolfgang video where there's a a lot of uh, what what appears to be. Um, fake fake blood all over the place uh, yeah. I'm assuming that it's fake you know you're, you're <laughs> nev- you're, you can never really be sure with with those guys there you know you, you know there's always a uh, anytime you see a picture of them somebody has a, a giant cast on their arm or something like that so those <laughs> yeah. guys are you know how much of that those those blood takes is is kind of you and, ha- and how much comes from them are you kind of just filming them and letting them go nuts or are you kind of, uh, kind of directing them around
2: I wrote the idea a couple of days before we went out and shot it, and I just had my friend Jesse come out with a bunch of like, blood and nails and hair and just weird things like that, and we just rolled around uh, L.A. Just, we'd find different places, places that were familiar to them, like the Fairfax district and Hollywood High um, and one of their friend's houses um, and just kind of made up the scenes as we went along. Um, all kind of, I would tell them exactly what to do and stuff, and 50% of that video was actually shot by themselves. Another 50 was shot by me. <laughs> So yeah,
1: and I I think um, one of the things that people, one of the things Doug was alluding to was, I think people often think when they watch these type of videos is what is real and sort of you know what is you know too planned and things like that. What you know, what were they drinking in in that video?
2: Um, That morning, I just raided my pantry and I I grabbed like oregano and cough syrup and just weird like expired (laughs) prescription pill bottles. and we bought some 40s. And so we mixed it all up, but there's a cut, and I, like we gave them just fresh cups of nothing for them to <laughs> pretend to drink. you know. So, yeah. And apparently it's become like a thing. It's on Urban Dictionary and stuff. It's called Death Juice or something. I think people have been trying to do it, but I don't think most kids could afford to to make that happen. <laughs> that's yeah, really the only thing deterring them from doing it, I think.
1: Yeah, because that, uh, that drink is, uh, when you put all the, all those ingredients it's together, kind of expensive, gotta, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be a well, pretty it's, expensive drink. <laughs>
2: Especially for, like, 15 kids, you know, to partake equally.
1: <laughs> so, yeah.
2: <laughs> but, yeah, I get emails all the time from kids, like, in West Virginia asking me, like, how to make it and if it's real and stuff. <laughs> so, so.
1: And, you know, when talking to them about the concept of the video, I mean, you know, yeah. one of the things that's so compelling about Odd Future is the that sense of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, how much are they uh, aware and involved in that process of, you know, we, this we want... Was- Oh, sorry, this was
2: before they were, they had, I mean, they were so in tune with their aesthetic and stuff. Mm. So it was, I mean, they just let me do exactly what I want to do. This was a time before like managers and all that and tour buses and stuff, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: So it was, I basically, I mean, I just came up with the idea and I, I just told it to Earl on the phone and we just shot it. And there wasn't, there weren't like any notes or anything you know, about the <laughs> edit or anything about that. Like I just shot it, edited it in half a day and just put it on Vimeo. That was it.
1: How do you know these guys originally?
2: Um, my my producer Chris, he uh his cousin was friends with Earl, um and we were gonna cast him in a video but he couldn't he didn't work out, so um I stumbled upon his MySpace um and listened to him and this was when he was rapping over like MF Doom instrumental beats and I uh, and so like we hit him up and we we're like, dude, we have to do a video for you and he said well in 6 months i'm working on my album right now it's going to be like totally different the like the like subject matter is going to be a lot more positive and stuff i'm changing my whole style and then when the album came out it was like way more dark than anything he'd ever done um, and so we hit him up and we were like yeah it's time to do it so we did it yeah nice
1: um, and then i mean did that uh, video start receiving a lot more attention once um, you know odd feature you know blew up about a year, year year and a half ago
2: yeah i mean i think it it Definitely helped. It started getting, I mean, I always knew that that video was going to have legs and that it was going to, like, it wasn't going to get a lot of views, like, from the start because no one knew who they were. But once people started seeing that video, and then obviously once their other videos started coming out, you know, it kind of blew up. Mm -hmm. So,
1: yeah. And you, so you describe, you know, your work as, you know, narrative driven. Yeah. Um, you know, who do you, you know, at this time, do you believe is kind of, you know, making those kind of videos that, that you're striving to make, you know, who are your influences contemporaries?
2: Um, I have like, well, when I started, uh, doing, I, I used to work at like different production companies and I worked at a production company called Street Gang Films. Um, and that was with some directors named like, uh, like Vincent Haycock and Paul Miner and Andreas Nielsen and stuff. So I used to help them out with like treatments and on set. So those are some directors that really influenced me uh, when I first started doing music videos, um, and then obviously other people who I've met along the way, like Daniel Wolf and and Gavros and stuff. Those are directors who like you know inspire me. They can kind of just do whatever they want to do. People have like a certain trust in them, um, so yeah those guys
0: (laughs) and and what do you think in that in that style of video is the is the real role of the of the song itself um is it kind of secondary to a to a narrative documentary style or is it is it kind of one and one
2: i don't think so i mean i i don't necessarily like rehash ideas for different tracks i usually try and come up with an original idea influenced by the track um and that that comes out of it doesn't usually come out of the the lyrics, um, it just comes out of like the rhythm of the track and just the tone and overall atmosphere, um, of what I'm listening to. And music has always been something that's influenced me heavily, um, so images are kind of conjured up in my mind pretty easily when I listen to music, yeah.
1: And as far as what's next, uh, for you, I mean, you you mentioned, um, you know, the, the warehouse you're putting together, you know, the artistic collective that you've got, you've got going on. Yeah. How, you know, in your in your future, what do music video, what part do music video plays? Are they a stepping stone to features or are are you more interested, you know, really in the medium?
2: Um, I mean, I'm not, I don't think music videos are really like a lifelong career. I think there's a certain cutoff point, there's a certain ageism involved to them. I think the younger that you are, um, the fresher your ideas are and stuff when it comes to music videos. So I, I really like, you know, when there's like new, cool new young music video directors, um, so that's kind of what The Collective is going to be all about, which is creating just original like narrative music videos. Um, and for me, it's always, I, I have always approached it as um, a sort of like film school. I mean, I think uh, I think just the, the fact that you're able to come up with their ideas, because I mean, I do commercials too, but you're not given as much freedom, obviously. Like the fact that you can come up with an idea for an artist that you respect and for a track that, that you like is kind of, it's only it's the only place that you can really do that. Um, and it's a great way to start to learn how to, like, tell stories and improve that before you start getting into films.
1: Um, so, yeah. And have you got anything in the pipeline right now?
2: Um, I have a short film that I did last year which premiered at Slamdance um, in January. So that's set that's playing at, like, various festivals and stuff. And hopefully it'll be online in the next few months, like, late summer. Um, and then I have a music video that I did in January for the, this uh, Italian dude named Congo Rock. So that's going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um, and that's it. Just taking a lot of naps. <laughs> Walking my dog and just Googling myself. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and how are you doing on the Google? Um, it's pretty good. I mean, sometimes I get caught up in certain things. Like, I just found this, like, Jack White forum, which had a lot of, like, negative comments and people calling me a hack and stuff. And it, that's that's kind of disturbing, you know, that people take that stuff so seriously. But, you know, it all just it all just comes with the territory of being a narcissist so it's all good
1: <laughs> yeah google is really a really dangerous tool for for narcissists you can get yeah. caught up in that stuff you're <laughs> totally
2: you're... and being called to, being called to aj doesn't help either you know it's harder, <laughs> it's harder it's harder it's harder for me to it's harder for me to google myself when you don't spell my name right, right you know
1: Big thanks to A.G. for talking to us. Um, he's a really cool guy, and he's got a lot of, and as he mentioned in the podcast, um, he's got the behind-the-scenes of the spiritualized Hey Jane video coming out soon, which I'm, I'm definitely looking to check out. And it will be on the site. Pow! Boom. So uh, here we go. We, got to, we have to do our picks of the week. We've got to tell the people what they should be checking out.
0: We do, we we do, we do, and specifically you do
1: now. I do, um, and I'm gonna go a little different for my pick of the week this week because I it was a video that I saw earlier today and it really um, blew my mind for a few for a few reasons. <clears throat> and the video is uh, "Hot Problems" by Double Take. Now, this is a low budget music video as well as a low budget song. I actually don't recommend going to see, going to watch this video and I actually don't even think it will be on the site because I don't think it's a really... I guess it could be an official music, it is an official music video but for a really awful song. I mean it's bad. It's these two girls in a limo riding around, actually it looks like LA, uh, in Hollywood somewhere in LA. Talking about even though they're hot, they have problems as well. They don't really talk about what those problems are, but um, it's really painful. It's really poorly done. Uh, You look at this and uh, um, Rebecca Black—it looks, you know, it sounds good next to this. But I wanted to um, put that out there as an example for uh, for a reason, and that is a reason to or an example of why we as viewers should sort of appreciate the really high quality work that is being done in music videos right now because you know you watch all you know we watch all these great high quality music videos and these are high quality whether they're shot in like a gorilla style you know running gun with no lights or they're shot with a huge crew um with a lot of money um, they're really, really well done and they're really a, a lot of fun to watch and you know, nobody wants to watch something that's, that's really crappy. Um, and this video is you know, at the very, very sort of bottom of the barrel in terms of its quality and its production values. Um, from the start of the video to the end of the video, they're just in this limousine, nothing happens whatsoever except for them mugging at the camera. There's, at 54 seconds, there's a glorious, awkward B-roll shot of the light-up drink holders in the limo. Um, and uh, I think sometimes we take for granted the, uh, you know, all the, you know, really creative and also really technically talented people that are making music videos right now. And you kind of look at all these things and says, well, of course, of course, you know, every single day you can get, you know, ten or twenty five new music videos that'll blow your mind. Um, but I think it's important to kind of take a, to remember the, you know, creative output that's being. Uh, you know put forth here and that it's not trivial uh, it, it is um, really uh, I think as we talked about with Sammy Kriegstein last week it is really a movement with music music videos I think it's important to look at something like this to kind of see where we could be as opposed to where we are with the with a medium of music videos so it's really funny you laugh at it because it's so bad and and you know the girls faces are all orange and it's trying to be you know a high budget production but it's uh really miserably failing at that so that is uh hot problems by double take there's no director listed but it is by old bailey productions and um when i looked at this earlier today the comments were turned off but they've been turned on on youtube so fire up your youtube account and have some fun and that's my pick
0: have at it you guys
1: have, have you seen this video, it. Doug?
0: I have not. I have not. I look forward to uh, watching it and um, knowing what happens already, because I just heard you talk about it. There's nothing. Nothing happens. No, I know. I actually was. I was not tuned in. I don't even know what video. Did. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's not true. It's not true. I do completely. Uh, but I haven't seen it. Um, but a video I have seen is this video that I'm about to describe to you. Um, My pick of the week is by a band called the Lumineers. um, And the song is called Ho Hey. And it's by director Ben Fee. And uh, the Lumineers are a band that I've been listening to very regularly lately, ever since Isaac Ravi Shankara posted one of their songs on Facebook. And that's been one of the coolest parts about being Facebook friends with music video directors is that you find out about other awesome music videos and this Ho Hei video is a uh, prime example of that. Um, and what I really like about this video is I think that it's the style of this music video is it's kind of just a, a bunch of visual elements. The band is kind of just kind of walking through what appears to be maybe an old school or a church, something like that. But, but really what's the appeal of the video is that it. it the imagery really matches the song really well and and I was thinking about that this is probably one of the the more difficult styles of music videos to be able to just add something to a video visually or to a song visually that 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 makes it more interesting than when simply listened to um, but not having like much of us like much actually happen I mean they kind of just the band is kind of walking down the hallway and they're like uh, lights strung down the hallway and uh, the lights kind of flash with the sound of, or with the beat of the song and um, the band walks down the hallway and then um, at a certain point as the music starts to kind of swell the um, the school or, or church is kind of overrun with people dressed in the same clothes that the band is dressed in and, and there could be something behind all of this imagery but uh, I think what's important is that it doesn't really matter. I think that it's still kind of a very appealing video to kind of to watch and enjoy and uh and the luminaires are a band that make music that's also really great to l- listen to so if you like this song maybe check them out on daytrotter because they got a good one on there um
1: what is daytrotter <laughs> Day it, uh,
0: it's a website and I, they have like a studio where they invite bands in to the studio to kind of re-record versions of their song um and then they release it for free for members of the site and um really awesome versions of the songs you you know they'll they'll oftentimes do different things with the songs and stuff it's really cool so my pick of the week is ho hey lumineers my website of the week is Daytrotter.
1: what song do i know by mystical mystical yeah
0: i don't know a lot uh shake your ass hmm Shake your ass! Lots ah,
1: right, right, okay. He's going to jail again. Yeah, ninety days.
0: He was in jail for rape before, so this ninety-day charge is not as bad. I'm assuming. I hope not. He was in. He was in No Limit, so he was also like like a lot of the Master P songs from back then. He was probably in a lot of those songs too. He was. Uh, he was. <laughs> he's an, uh, an interesting thing about Mystical. He is actually a Desert Storm vet. Really. St- Oh, so he is the only No Limit soldier who is actually, wait a for it, s- a soldier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> And that's all we have for you this week, everybody. Thank you for joining us on Music Video Land. That's it.